Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com slash careers. That's opcpest.com slash careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by the Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. The Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Luke Hancock. Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Luke Hancock here. The phone lines are open. 8150-939-3831-939 for the uh, UPS Jobs text line. If you wish to hit us up that way, uh, you can as well. Just a reminder, we've got Louisville and Boston College tonight. A late one, right? we got a 9 o'clock tip for that one. So your pregame coverage will start here about 730 uh, or so. Uh, Luke, what are they up? What are they up against at Boston College tonight? I don't know that a lot of people know a lot about that team. Well, uh, Boston College not having a great year. Uh, I think people know that. They're 4-8 and eight in the league, 13-10 and 10 overall. But if you remember, Boston College last year was a team that was wrecking resumes down the stretch. Quentin Post hadn't played most of that season, and so they got a lot better throughout the year. And when he came back, maybe a little slow start even when he came back, but then they started to pick it up. And he's a guy... Um, as unique as any player in the league. like He's as versatile as a P.J. Hall in terms of his ability to shoot the basketball, a really good passer. Um, he's great in pick-and-pop situations. Uh, he's the guy you have to really focus on slowing down. Uh, just announced uh, by the ACC, the ACC has issued a public reprimand of Louisville women's basketball coach Jeff Walls for violating the ACC sportsmanship policy following Louisville's game against Syracuse on February 11th. In addition, the league announced that an institutional fine has been issued to Louisville as a result of the violation. The funds from the imposed institutional fine will be placed into the Weaver James Corrigan Swafford Postgraduate Scholarship Account. Whatever. How much? I said 25000 It was 20000 20000 oh. to Jeff, 20000 from the school. So forty, though. I mean, that's, that's hefty. Walls' postgame comments regarding the officials were in direct violation of the ACC sportsmanship policy that states, quote, Public criticism of officials or public comments evaluating the officiating of particular contests is not in the best interest of intercollegiate athletics. Individuals associated with the athletics programs are prohibited, therefore, from commenting while acting in an official capacity on officiating other than directly to the conference office. The ACC considers this matter closed and will have no further comment. So no appeals process. No. (laughs) And Walsh does not have immunity either. He's probably got to take this one. <laughs> you start your your comment with, I know I'm going to get fined, and then you go ahead and say everything you want to say. It's really tough to go back and say, no, nah, I didn't mean it, or like, oh, no, you should find me less. I don't think he's going to get away with that either. But it is one thing to that just crossed my mind. Think about this. When do we get to a point where college players will be reprimanded financially? Because you guys remember the NC State guy, DJ Horn, throwing up the... Uh, your number ones to the referee at the free throw line when the ref turned his back, gave him oh, two yeah. middle fingers, right? The the same type of message. I mean, um, the Atlantic Coast Conference has reprimanded NC State guard DJ Horn for flashing both middle fingers at the foul line in a comeback win over Wake Forest on Tuesday night. The ACC statement said it issued the reprimand after reviewing the game, calling Horn's gesture unsportsmanlike and inappropriate. Um, and he comes out to do an apology online, but... When do those two things line up, right? Like Jeff Wallace definitely would have been uh, financially reprimanded. He throws two middle fingers at a referee. This kind of similar, but just an aside before we really dig into just more of your thoughts with uh, with Coach Wallace, and we'll have him on at 4.30. But you think players will have uh, financial repercussions at some point soon? 
as soon as they become employees. You think it'll be like um, a situation where it's based on how much money you make? Uh, no. Just a you'll It'll have be a fine. standard, yeah. yeah. But as soon as they're like directly our employees, I'm sure you've followed everything going on. You think we're getting closer and closer to that every day? Yeah, yeah. The NCAA is not very good at, at avoiding that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, they've just wasted so much time, money with uh, fighting frivolous lawsuits that they're getting to a point where they're just going to have to do something. Um, that conversation is is a whole nother can of worms. Probably don't have enough time before Coach Walls gets in here, but even. Like, I agree with a lot of what Coach Patino says. I completely disagree with him talking about salary caps for players when there's no salary caps for coaches. You know, he came out and said, this is one way we would fix it, give a million dollar, two million dollar, let the Power Five and the Big East break away and kind of have their own salary caps with men's basketball, let them kind of decide what it's going to be. And I'm like, adding the next sentence should be, and coaches too. Why does why would it be one for one and not the other? And I always use the analogy of like a piano player. If they're 17 years old and they're selling out concerts across the world and they make 20 million dollars a year, nobody says anything. Like they shouldn't be paid that much. But because of how we look at college athletics, and I think really because of what it stems from, of not getting paid anything besides your scholarship, 100 years ago when I played. But it just doesn't make any sense to me. And to have a coach that get paid a lot of money, say, hey, I think they should be salary caps or something like that it's crazy yeah people think you can just do that you can just like stuff a salary cap on top of something there's a whole process you got to go through and there got to be all these other things you got to give up first and yeah there's there's gotta got be a million things where's the negotiation yeah. here just make less right it's also missing the point because nil is you know endorsement deals whereas like oh you set a salary cap it's like the NBA, yeah there's a salary cap but the players make endorsement deals with whatever company they want for however much the company's willing to pay for them so that's why, like, until uh, to Mark's point, when they become employees, then yeah, maybe you can institute a salary cap per se with the employment laws that you know vary by state. But you know, as long as it's endorsement deals, you can't really put a salary cap on that. That's how I look at it because um, whether you're Clark from Iowa or you're like as somebody who's built a brand and it's more than just like the Cavender twins that were at Miami. Their brand, their social media brand, it's going to be worth way more than if it was a million dollar or two million dollar salary cap at Miami. They're going to quit right away, which I think one of them already did quit. But like Clark, what would the salary cap be for Iowa basketball? That could, she should be making five million dollars. How's that? How's that going to work? You're going to have players quitting, you know. And and I know for a fact that there are ACC players that are making lots and lots of money. I know Paolo, for example, he made a million dollars. How does the salary cap work at Duke? You take a you. That's it. Just would never happen. Those North Carolina schools in particular would never agree to some type of salary cap that's two million dollars or something. And you would you would have to put the cap somewhere where they would be able to recruit like they're recruiting now. And then a school like Boston College would just be absolutely screwed. Right. Which I think a lot of people in uh, athletics would be totally fine with. Unfortunately, I'm not. But I think a lot of people are. Like, I think so. I, I think trying to like get more control around the situation has just led to more and more problems. It's a free-for-all. I get it. Um, in terms of what these kids are making, I just think you need to have something being paid by the schools and then let them go do endorsement deals completely on the side. And the schools have nothing to do with it. I also think you should allow multi-year contracts where you can say, like, you come to school here as a freshman, you're going to make 50. You stay as a sophomore, there's going to be you're going to make 100. You're going to make 200 as a junior, and you're going to make 400 as a senior. But you have to stay here, and, and then and you'll see it keep growing. And it's a commitment on both sides. Yeah, and like just trying to put the toothpaste back in a tube of just doing unnecessary restrictions when nobody else has them, I don't think that, that's going to work. Let's get uh, Alex in here next. Alex, thanks for waiting, buddy. Welcome into the drive on I Thunderbolt. What's up? Hey, what's up, guys? Listen, I, I am in complete agreement with that last part you said about having a, a, a commitment from – or a contract set up with the kids because, I mean, just looking at this team, like, you know, if, if uh, Kenny Payne uh, doesn't finish out the year, I'd be devastated to lose Tyler Johnson or Caleb Glenn. Like, there's, like, I would love to have some kind of, you know, incentive where it's like, hey, you stay, you you make more. Like, because, I mean, it, it, just, it, it just feels like, it just feels like every single year, like your coach 
uh, if your coach leaves or even if your coach stays, like everybody's up for grabs. Yep. And in all honesty, I, I was watching, uh, I think during like the Ravens uh, uh, training camp, Zay Flowers, they made like for like the rookie um, whatever. Like, whenever <laughs> yeah, they signing bonus. Awesome. Yeah, they made him say what his signing bonus was. The fact that he got that much money at, at Boston College for for a basketball player, like there's no way a salary cap is like if Boston College is paying millions to one wide receiver that plays on a team that like I think they won like eight games or something like that. Like I don't even think they did that. They were trash. Actually, no, they were trash because we were pissed at Satterfield that we lost to them. But anyway, um, I, I I'm. I'm actually uh, the the first caller that came on, not the first one, but he came on and said he's, he's kind of getting back on board. I, I I am kind of slowly but surely starting to see, you know, what 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 we could what could have been. I'm 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 not going to speak like he's going to stay, but I just I just wish this would have happened so much faster because this whole emotional roller coaster that we've been going on for a year and a half would not have even had to have happened. Uh, so, I mean, we'll, we'll just have to see. We still don't have any recruits, you know, and so there's still not anything out there on the market of, of people being interested in the school. So it would be it'd be crazy if he completely went from uh, only looking at transfers to where last year he was only looking for uh, freshmen. So but that, but just, I, stay on the line. I don't want to totally interrupt you, but I want to ask the question there. When you look at what this team needs – don't you think that the portal is going to provide those three or four pieces of veteran guys coming from winning programs that are going to help with the culture, the DNA of the program, and then you keep these pieces? I think he's got to do a little bit of winning before he can go out and get big-time five-star type recruits that he used to get at Kentucky. And so to me, it's not quite as alarming as a lot of fans have made it out to be that there isn't a recruit in the pipeline right now because I wouldn't hate – I mean, look at look at the way the roster's broken down, right? Like Brandon Huntley Hatfield's a junior, JJ's the only senior, right? Yeah, I'm not looking yeah, at it right so. in front of me, but I'm, so. I'm pretty sure JJ's the only senior. Which you know, if he wants to play another year, For he whatever has that one. means. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so if I'm looking at what do I expect Coach P, Co- Coach KP to do, it's go out and get Grizzly veterans for those three or four spots that are all transfers. Yeah. I would, honestly and truly, I, I actually one hundred percent, I agree with that. Be, like, imagine if we had a Sky Clark, a Tyler Johnson, and a Brandon Knight, a, a, a grizzled senior guard, like true guard. Because I really think, I really think Sky plays much better off the ball than he does on the ball. He's been playing a lot better, like holistically. But I think he, he honestly and truly, Sky Clark looks like he doesn't know what his role is. He doesn't know if he wants to score or if he wants to pass. I think if we had, which is why I think Tyler Johnson is, is, is a good, you know, cause he knows he's a guard that can score where I feel like, I feel like if we had a more senior guard, then that, that, that would, that would have given Scott Clark a role, uh, for it. So he could play a little bit more better in this offense. But before I get off, Luke, you said you never been to Kansas. Uh, I thought you transferred from Kansas, uh, and, and played with, uh, Earl Clark in there. <laughs> Do you not remember that? When you transferred in from Kansas? I don't know how you don't remember a year you spent at Kansas. But anyway, thank you guys. <laughs> playing, coaching, uh, playing under Roy Williams at Kansas back in the day. I think um, might be confusing me with one David Pageant, but it seems to happen all the time. Confusing me with the uh, former L guys. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how you feel, Mark. We've talked about there not being these recruits in the pipeline and that KP's specialty seems to be going to get some of these high school guys. He did well out of the portal. Um, you need pieces on this roster, certainly. But if you keep the eight guys together that we mentioned earlier, and then you go get the three or four, you, you probably need a wing that can really shoot it. You know, Trent Flowers not being there has hurt these guys dramatically, but where would they be if he was the foreman? Adding a little bit of depth. You know, you go get a guy like that, and you get one more that can spell the four and the five spot play both positions, Okorafor comes back. You know, I like the roster again. Bam. It seems pretty easy. Um, you know, KP's quiet about things like that, but I would expect him to go hit the portal and, and try and do just that. And I like the, the kind of core, the foundation pieces. I've told you for a long time that I like the guards, right? You've heard me say that yep. kind of over and over again. Well, 
I really like Brandon Hundley Hatfield now. I mean, the way he's been more assertive, the way he's playing, great. Um, I don't. I think these guys are a little bit out of position. Caleb Glenn, I think, can thrive as a stretch four. I think Trey White's a little better at the three spot. But you add another piece to the puzzle that can either push those guys to play at a higher level or those guys can back up somebody who's a, a legitimate shooting, scoring three-man and a grit like a Montrez Harrell, Shane Behan, and kind of four. This team's dramatically better with just adding those three or four pieces. So I, I just it doesn't bother me as much. Does it, does it still bother you that there aren't those recruits in the pipeline? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's fine. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, you can't tell me that there, there aren't, because of his explanation of it, there aren't a lot of freshmen coming to play ahead of these guys. Look, I like them. They're... There probably are some freshmen that can come in and play ahead of some of these guys, or at least as much and as good as some of these guys. Let's chill out a little bit. Like Skylar, uh, Tyler, I'm going to keep saying Skylar. Tyler, we like him. Come on. Yeah. Like, there are freshmen who could have come in and play. You just didn't get any of them. And uh, also, like, there's nothing wrong with Tyler playing 20 minutes right. as a freshman that makes boneheaded turnovers every game. It just sounds like, it's to me, it sounds much more of an explanation for why you don't have any than a plan for not having any right to me uh but it might kind of come back to bite him because i would imagine if we were having the conversation we just had in the first hour where the caller calls in is like i'm back on the fence yep because they've won two out of three and i like how it looks even when they lose like i can see it proof of concept so or whatever but imagine if we were having this conversation and there was like three top 50 guys committed for next year and we could the the imagining for what next year would be like is a, is way more concrete. It should to me that is a much easier case to make. And you can't even start portal guys officially until the season's over, right? So he's going to have to do all the the give me year three legwork without any idea of who's going to be on the team next year, and I, that's a mistake for me. I will agree with that. If I'm talking strictly on what would be the best thing for Louisville basketball, I think it's the portal. I'm not concerned with not having players there. But if you're talking about I've got to sell why year three is going to be the takeoff year, I, I totally agree with I you. I said, why does it have to be all of one or the other? Get Take two commits and say we're going to have two more spots. Because, look, you know you already have to replace Trent Flowers. You already have to replace Karan Davis. And surely other people are going to leave. Right? Yeah. So you're we're going to sign two guys that are really good and we're going to take two guys out of the portal and we're bring this core back largely give me your three now it, it still has to end well but that's such an a, a, a infinitely easier, easier case to make yes yeah i'd be okay if it was one primetime guy you said hey you're going to be the guy we insert in this lineup i'm going to go get two guys out of the portal and bam we're going to be dramatically better but i i do think just in terms of selling it it would definitely help they're 308th in terms of Division One experience in the country, so it is a young team, but you know that's that's two ways of looking at it, right? So again, if I'm looking at what's the best thing for Louisville basketball next year, it's to go get veterans that are from winning programs that can fill in these gaps. But if you're selling it, I hear what you're saying. I just think last year the philosophy, and I agree with you, Luke. The veterans, I'd rather have more veterans than freshmen. But like, also want that last year when he went out and got almost exclusively freshmen, like a sophomore transfer, where it's like. We need to get older and better fast just because of how poor his first year was. And he just said, yeah, whatever. I'll get these, you know, Dennis Evans gets out of Minnesota and then um, someone else got out of a commitment. It's like, oh, we'll take these guys that yeah. are now available that we didn't expect to be available. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I think there wasn't a sense of urgency after year one, and that blows my mind. But if it doesn't work out and he doesn't get year three, I, I'll look back on that offseason and think, man, you just didn't have – you know enough fight you didn't you didn't think you needed to go get more talent you thought you had i guess more runway to continue to kind of build you know i know culture gets thrown around all the time but trying to build it the way you want to build it and you know louisville fans in particular didn't like winning four games <laughs> more than kp realized and i that's going to be his fault uh if, if it does kind of go that direction but like i said it's been fun lately and, and a lot of young pieces let's get uh lawrence in here lawrence welcome into the drive on i thunderbolt what's up buddy Hey, Mark. Hey, Luke. How you doing? You know, so, you know, Mark, I'm upset. I'm really upset right now because 
I just found out Jeff Wall got signed twenty thousand dollars, and nothing is, is going to be done about that referee who made that bad call against him on Sunday. Now, how is that fair? How is that fair? How is that right? Like, come on, how how Jeff Wall get signed and nothing happens to the referee? What kind of, what kind of justice is that? Explain to me how that makes any type of sense. It doesn't, Lawrence. So you're asking me to do the impossible, buddy. It doesn't make an ounce of sense. And everyone except Jim Phillips realizes that. And whoever's yelling behind you. I'm right. The ACC referees need to explain to me as a, as a Cardinal fan, explain to all the rural fans on why nothing, nothing is going to be done about that referee, but Jeff Wall got signed for it. Jeff Wall was speaking the truth on this past Sunday. He wasn't lying about it, but he gets fined for it. But the referee doesn't have to the referee. Man, the AC like, but what? Like, like you said, nothing, nothing is right. You can't, you, it ain't right. But we're gonna have like Jeff Walls is not gonna never get a first shake, no matter what. But I'm gonna still keep on rooting for this winning team because I feel like what happened Sunday was a, was wrong and. I'm right, I'm just upset, Mark. Like I'm trying to get pumped up for the game tonight, but after, after seeing what just happened, Jeff Wallace, I'm I'm really mad about that. Is it just Syracuse? That was gotten us men's and women's. Apparently, going to Canada makes you lose your mind. Thanks, Lawrence. Appreciate <laughs> the call, buddy. Uh, th- I mean, look in in the span of just a couple of days, you get a call where they're like, "That's goaltending." Every living soul who sees the play says, that's not goaltending. Yeah. Then they go to the monitor and they're like, yep, it's goaltending. Even though all of us on our monitors are like, that's clearly not goaltending. Uh, then to follow it up with, here's an intentional foul, technical foul, that none of us have ever witnessed called before in that situation. And if you think I'm being hyperbolic about it, I'll issue the challenge here. Find me that ref calling that foul ever. Find me one. I don't know if anybody's dug into the film, but I have not. I bet you won't find it. The thing is... The sheriff might be on the case. These referees, they have to be a little bit anticipatory. And, like, what do you want the player to do? Yeah. So, if I, like, kind of tap somebody and I'm looking at the referee saying I'm, I'm fouling them, it's part of the strategy of the game. I could just run through them and touch a little bit of the ball and and tackle somebody or try and hurt somebody. But that doesn't make sense either. Like, I would think what you would want from a referee aspect is exactly what Olivia did. But then it all plays out the way it plays out, and you get an intentional foul. Seems crazy to me. It's idi- it's an idiotic interpretation of intentional foul. You can intentional foul is I'm fouling the person, making no effort for the ball. It's it's not I fouled on purpose, right? Jackass, like right. that's what that was. They, they need to differentiate those two things. It's pretty obvious. Every foul's intentional if you think about it, you fool. Like involuntary. Maybe. I don't know about that. Intentional pass interference. Like, what are we doing? That's true. That's a good point. And that, that is an utter lack of awareness of the game situation by the referees. My thing is, if you go to review that, do you not like think about or talk about like, how is this going to look? Right, like maybe that was a tiny bit excessive, or maybe by the letter of the law, not really going for the ball. However, whatever you want to say, but like, do they not sit there and be like, well, "How do you think people are going to react to this? How do you think the the fans and the flow of this game? How do you think this is all going to play out?" I would think somebody would be like, "Yeah, this is a bad idea. This was not excessive in any way, and we're giving the game to Syracuse. Seems like a bad idea. Let's not do this." But that never happened. The real question, and we will know, it will tell us a lot about this. Don't forget, did we not get the North Carolina coach to get on Twitter and tweet a video of a play from her game too? And tag the freaking ACC in it? What kind of reprimand does that get? We'll see. Let's get Doc in here next. Doc, welcome into the drive on I found the What's up? Hi. Going back to the conversation y'all were having about recruiting. Yeah. Uh, the, the whole portal situation. 
just like in football, becomes a matter of you have to continue to recruit your own players. And if we were to try to bring in a bunch of highly rated freshmen, what would our current freshman and sophomore class do with regards to looking to get out if they felt they were being recruited over? Uh, yeah, the idea of that you brought up of mostly going after upper class experienced guys to give some uh, serious uh, experience makes the most sense uh, because of the fear of running off their own players by recruiting freshmen who are going to come in inexperienced and have to be broken in all over again. Uh, interested in how you think about recruiting our own consistent players as opposed to potentially recruiting over them and running them off. Yeah, uh, thank you very much for the call. The call on the front end, when I, when I think about kind of how you phrase that, it is a big concern that these players, they get a, a little bit of leniency in terms of not a one-time transfer that they're allowed to, to transfer more often, that they will do that, right? What did we see last year after a bad season? You, you kept a couple pieces. I like that he got rid of most of the guys, to be honest. You needed a refresh. Kept you know guys like Mike James and JJ. But this time you know with the stats that some of these guys are putting up that they're going to be recruited hard. Do you want to have another season like like the last two at Louisville? Is going to be said by every coach trying to recruit Tyler Johnson in particular. Caleb Glenn. No question they're going to get pursued. And they're going to get offered a lot of money. Now, the question is, is KP kind of going to be able to re-recruit those guys? Is he going to be able to pay them enough? Does he want to pay them enough? The plan does not work in my eyes. If you're fully bought in that like KP is going to be here for a long, it does not work out at all if you get half of these guys to leave and start back at, at ground zero. And it is a very dangerous assumption to ever assume that anyone's coming back. Almost. Good team or bad team? Were there two teams, I think? Yeah. I think it was FAU and Duke, right? Yeah, that's right. Let's uh, squeeze Kenny in here before we take a, a quick break here. Kenny, welcome into the drive, buddy. What's up? Hey, guys. I, I had to call. I wasn't going to call but because I've had a few too many. I hope I don't embarrass That's myself. the best time to call. I'm home for – well, I'm going – well, I'm not going anywhere. But anyway, uh, tomorrow's – tomorrow's uh, – I might do – I might quit beer because of Lent because I got this toenail fungus, and I can take pills for it, but you got to quit drinking. But I want to get to Olivia and the intentional foul. I, I I think I saw it, and that, it's a coaching moment and it's a teaching moment. Oh, Olivia, I, 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 she had that girl pinned, and if she just kept pushing her and shoving her out of the way, there was the clock was running out. But when she grabbed, I think I saw her grab her jersey. I want to look at it at it again because I recorded it. And uh, but but for Jeff, when he comes on in a few minutes, I'd love you to ask you about it. I mean, uh, I mean, it was really going our way. She was, uh, she was bumping her and had her pinned, and she was way out to where, and nobody was coming to help the kid. And then they end up shooting two free throws and get the ball out of bounds. But anyway, uh, yeah, I think it, I think at that point you don't grab them at all. You just keep mugging them and 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 using the they got to they got if they're not going to call anything, the clock was going to run out. That's what broke my heart about it. But anyway, I'm just this dumb guy in the garage. Okay, appreciate it, Kenny. Thank you for the call, there, buddy. Yeah, I, I want to ask with the toe. Yeah, good luck with the toe. I, I want to ask um, Coach Walls that exact thing. Like, how do you coach your player in that situation next time? Well, let's take a quick break here, and we will come back and see if we can't get Jeff Walls to get another fine. On the other side here, on the drive when I thumb the bill. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. 
where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Welcome back to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis and Luke Hancock. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Luke Hancock, pleased to be joined by Jeff Walls, the head coach of the Louisville women's basketball team. Hey, Jeff, how's it going? I'm doing great, guys. Yourself? Doing, uh, we're doing all right. We were just uh, reading a little bit about you, uh, and you've been, um, you've gotten the proverbial wrap across the knuckles here uh, for uh, for your comments after the Syracuse game. I'll let you uh, yeah. speak openly uh, about uh, the outcome of this. Your no, prediction I, I, was at least right. right. I mean, I, golly, it, it's not like it's anything I wasn't expecting. Uh, you know, I understand our our policy on sportsmanship. And uh, me criticizing uh, in in public is against that. So you know that's why you know I I got the fine. Uh, you know I'm still trying to figure it out as a coach because there are you know I I, I I was told the call was correct because there's contradictory there's there's two different ways to rule on those fouls I guess and. Uh, they kind of contradict each other in the rule book. So anytime you put two hands on somebody, from what I was told, it's an intentional foul. But what the, the problem is there's possibly a hundred missed calls then, yep. just so far this season. So it's my concern, and I've expressed it, and I'm still waiting. You know, and I'm waiting to get some clarification. Is you know, I don't foul at the end of the Mississippi State game down three. And, you know, they hit a three, we lose in overtime, and everybody's like, you're an idiot, how do you not foul? Well, then I foul, and the interpretation was that, oh, well, now we're going to call it an intentional foul, which in the rule book, I guess you can. So, depending on the, the day and the game, you're rolling the dice of how it's going to be called. So until we can get that cleared up, which goes all the way up to the head of the head of officials to the rules committee, you're just rolling the dice on what could be called. Now, again, we had three situations in our Notre Dame game where two hands were put onto our kids and they call foul. We and we go down and shoot free throws, which we expect. I mean, that's and you, you, you lobbied the referee for the uh, the uh, intentional fouls in each three of those instances to no effect. Is that what happened there, or no? Well, that that would that would be a hard no because we know that that's <laughs> not what that foul is. Right. So now you're just going to the free throw line to, to hopefully make two free throws. Uh, but for us, we fouled because we did have two fouls to give, um, and you know, give 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 fair fair, fair credit. The young lady fouled she was extremely quick and. You know, Olivia reached out, and, you know, if she had taken her down to the ground, sure. then I'm going to be like, God, that's an excessive. It's almost like a flagrant one. But, hey, it is what it, what it is. Hopefully some some change will be made. I mean, you know, I, I, I know it costs me, and that, that, that's okay, because I really don't think at times things get the attention that they need until you speak out. 
So I, I do hope that the NCA and the rules committees can get together and clean this up because it is a it's it's tough as a coach when you're trying to game plan at the end of a game and it's like okay, Kali, do I have to ask the officials before the game? Or is that going to be an intentional or what's this going to be? So it's okay though. I mean that's you know unfortunately it's an extremely tough loss uh, for us as we're you know in the chase to hopefully have a chance to to win to win the re- the regular season ACC but. Now we have to do what we have to do, and that's get back to work. We've got a Boston College team coming up here on Thursday that was down five at Virginia Tech with five minutes to go. You know, that's the one thing about about our league, guys. Is don't look at what the what the records are of the people you're playing because everybody's good, and, uh, you know, they have had a lot of tough games going down to the wire. So, I expect nothing but a great basketball game on Thursday night. Just uh, for clarification for everybody listening here, and you were told that was the right call, like on the floor at the moment, or this is subsequent, like from the league afterward? No, from the league afterwards. It it was a correct call according to the rule book. And, you know, as as I like to say, if you're going 56 and 55, you're speeding also. So it doesn't mean it's it's the right decision to make. Um, you know, I guess the hard thing is, I guess there was, there was two right calls that could have been made and, uh, they just chose that one, which you see one time in about seven years. Uh, so have that, yeah, I was going to ask you, has that call been made at any other time? In my 20, in my 29 years, no. That's bad luck on your part then. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad luck. That's all right. I mean, hey, I I take my fine. I'm out of here. I actually had two uh, two, two trees had to be cut down in my yard because one one died up top and branches are falling out. So I got my axe out. Uh, I had the tree company just leave. They blocked it up for me because I do heat my little wood and got a fire pit. But I'm, I think I'm gonna start selling the wood out front here to try to offset the fine. You know, trying to give a service. <laughs> I'm in, coach. Back to the society. I'm not much in for this. People saying do a GoFundMe account. I think that's tacky. Uh, um, better way so to do I it. Think if, well, if I'm actually providing the service and providing firewood for people, I'm just trying to offset my income. We'd prefer cash, though. I don't want to have to claim it. <laughs> I'm sure so, we can find some people to come pick it up and clean it up for you. Oh no, I'm chopping now. I love the wood. Now I love doing this stuff. So I, I'm I'm going through all. Of it. I've probably got to. Until I can get a buddy to bring a splitter out, I'll probably, I've, I've got a little bit of while. I'll, I'll send you pictures. <laughs> hey, I swear you don't sleep, Coach. But uh, I was wondering, is, is there anything you say to your team after the game, knowing that you should have won, it's a tough call, that that in that moment makes it any better? I mean, it's a tough loss. You, you lost kind of two out of three. I know the NC State game was a great battle. You have this emotional win against Notre Dame, the ups and downs of the season right now. I know it's kind of wearing teams down, but what do you say to your team right after that moment? Well, see, you are a glass half empty Never. kind of person. I can already see that. <laughs> but see, we've won two out of four against top 25 opponents, and you're okay. saying we've lost two or three. Yeah, you're spot on, Coach. You tell him. You're spot on. How you want to Jeff, Luke's this. getting okay. his ass kicked today. That's true. The guy made fun well, of a suit in the first hour, and now get just go, go. <laughs> no. So, no, I mean, I – I, there, there's not much you can say. I mean, we we had things that, that, that we didn't do correct. There's no question about it. We gave up 20 offensive rebounds, inexcusable, uh, turned turn, turn the basketball over uh, in crunch time a few times, and then just couldn't come up with the big stop. We, so I, you look at it from that end, yeah, we had things that we didn't do, but then, I mean, I can't get mad at the end of the game. I mean, you're just like – we were trying to foul. We were trying to foul two or three times before that, and it just wasn't called. But that's okay. So, I'm, I mean, and then that call's made, so what do you do? It's not like you can go in there and be mad at them, except for at the things that we could have controlled. Because, as I always say, you never want a ball game to come down where you're counting on a call at the end of the game. Jeff, you got. Uh, we're talking with Jeff Walls here. You got any fears about a hangover uh, with this with this group? How do you think they've handled just the disappointment, officiating or not? No, I'm not worried. I mean, no, I, I would hope not. We've sat there and explained to them what we have in front of us, 
Uh, you know, we lost at NC State and did not come back with a hangover for our Notre Dame game. Uh, they understand that right now we're sitting at nine, nine and three in the league uh, with the opportunity to go up to Boston College and play a, a, what I think is going to be a good game, and it's going to be a little bit of a challenge because I, I know they're having that snowstorm, I believe, up there right now. Uh, Interested to see what, what the crowd will be like. So sometimes you got to bring your own energy to the gym. And then, you know, you got to take care of business to then come back and have, have a, an opportunity to play, play the team that's in first place in the league and uh, Virginia Tech. Coach, that place is going to be rocking on Sunday when you come back home to play uh, Virginia Tech. But uh, I know Nyla Harris has been playing great. What have you seen from her in terms of just the, the uptick in production? Yeah, that's me splitting. I apologize, guys. <laughs> um, no, she has been playing great basketball right now. And it's it's just the the work that she continues to put in. Uh, you know, she had a great day of practice today. She's one of the few, and I, I talked to a few of my staff about today. It's like the kid just comes in, and she's not moody. She comes in with a work ethic. She's coachable. You can challenge her. And that's why she's going to be good, and she's going to continue to get better. Right now for her game, the next step for her is just to continue to grow more confidence in her ball handling. Once she gets to that point, then I think it's going to be really scary for what the kid can do because her free throw shooting was a weak spot for for last year. She's done a great job on that. Her 10- to 12-foot shot, she wasn't comfortable. Now she is. So it's just a progression each year, and if if she can get that ball handling to to where she wants it, I, I think she's really going to continue to, to get better and better. How do you feel like uh, the team has handled this stretch of games against good teams back to back to back to back like this, getting up for each one of those, not letting each one, good or bad, linger too long, that sort of thing? No, I think they've done a, fa- a, a fantastic job. I mean, when, when, when you look at it, you know, yes, it's a loss, but I, I think everyone can say, hey, it should have been three or four, you know, but it's not in the record book. That's fine. But as a coach, that's what I'm telling our kids. Like, hey, guys, you did everything you're supposed to do. It came down to a call at the end of the game, and that's just it, it happened. But I'm proud of them, and now we've got to go up here and take care of business on the road before coming back home for, for Sunday's ballgame. Six regular season games left, Coach. What do you need to see from your team? What do they need to, I guess, develop and uh, to make this final stretch uh put you in that position to win the league? Well, that's what we talked about today. I, I think the one thing about us right now is we, we've we got to have attention to detail in everything we do. Because, you know, if, if we're supposed to, to, to caboose or trail a screen or somebody that's coming off the stagger, we have to do it. We can't cheat. As a defender, you can't slide under the screens and try to cheat it because you, it's a little more effort to go over the top. We're really good as a unit. Uh, we don't have, per se, you know, when Dana Evans played here, Dana could cheat on things because her makeup speed was off the charts. She'd cheat, get beat, and still be able to get back and make up for it because of her quickness. But we don't have that. So when we cheat, we get beat. And that's something that we've talked about with them, and I think they understand this. So we've got to make sure we are really attention to detail and we, and we have each other's back. Because when we play as a group and everybody plays together, we are really, really good, and I, I think we're hard to beat. Coach, two texts in, uh, to the text line here. The first one uh, talks about how it's incredible that you're chopping wood and, and having the conversation. you got a lot of kudos for that. Um, the other one was your next home game like I said earlier, is going to be rocking. They said that there are very few tickets available for Sunday. This is going to be a pretty awesome atmosphere. I don't want you to look ahead, but big one coming up. Oh, it, it, it should be a great ball game. We're hoping to have the entire lower bowl sold out, which would be great. Uh, a great environment. It's our celebrating black culture game. Just a lot of special events are, are, are going to be going on. So I'm hoping we can get a huge crowd out there. Well, Jeff, it's good to hear from you, man. Take a take it all the frustration in the world out on that wood, buddy. We'll uh, we'll drive by later and pick up a few. No way. Uh, you know, most I think go for about like eighty or ninety dollars a rick. <laughs> I think what I'm sold, I'm selling my first rick for twenty grand. 
So if we got anybody that really wants some high-priced wood, they can get me on social media. <laughs> we'll put the word out, Coach. <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. Thank Thanks, you. Jeff. It's good to hear from you as always, buddy. Jeff Walls, chopping wood, <laughs> literally chopping wood as we're talking. That's the first time I've ever heard anyone rage chop wood. <laughs> but understand, don't do that. Don't miss the fact that he said they stood by the call. Those yeah. of you who are wondering, like, well, did they reprimand the referee too? The answer is no. They stood by the call. You knew that was going to happen. Yes, or I not did. happen, I guess. You knew they were going to stand by of the call. Of course I did. Yes. What makes that hilarious is Jeff saying, us saying, or asking, and it being true, their explanation was the rule book allows for contradictory interpretations of what an intentional foul is and that this is an allowable interpretation of it. It's just that no one's ever done it before. Yeah. We all found out on Sunday at 2 o'clock this was an allowable interpretation of the rules. I like this analogy about you're doing 56 and a 55. You deserve a ticket? Probably not. And the thing is, like... And you're also the only person in the history of that road that's gotten a 56 and a 55 ticket. Right. How many times have you watched games and coaches are losing their mind because they try and do that little foul? That foul is like a courtesy. That's how I look at it. Like, I could just rake you across the arms and go for the ball and just, like, more physical, more opportunity for me to slap at the ball and hurt a finger or break something, right? Or I just do this little touch like Olivia did. Happens all the time. How many times do you see coaches losing their mind because they try and foul with this little courtesy grab? And refs don't call it. So I think it's so contradictory there. They got to, honestly, this is what makes the problem, though. If they had just called a foul, reviewed it, and then said, no, there's nothing extra there, it's no big deal. But the fact that you're going to stand behind it and change the outcome of a game when it, it does happen all the time makes no sense. I think the worst part about this would be if they were to try to carry this forward in some way. Like if we start seeing more of this, just to make this look normal, what are Ew. we doing? Yes, please. Overcorrecting. No. It's like what we don't need to do this. And this is what pisses me off. ACC. This is gaslighting. That's what this is. And I hate overusing that word, but sometimes that that is exactly what this is. You don't lose anything by just admitting it was wrong. I think you kind of gain something. Like there, there's. I think so too. Discretion out there, and these referees make mistakes, and the game is fast. If you just say, "Hey, we got the call wrong," it's okay. There was an NBA official that along. did it last night. I forget. I think it was involved yes, in the Knicks game. That's right. And there was an official like, "I got yeah, the call wrong." It. Yeah. Yes. Immediately afterwards, you know what? They'll still play all the games with all the referees, and people will actually be less cynical about that because you admitted you were wrong. Yeah. Yep. I, I think it would give them. Uh, you you would understand more. It would the peop, way people react to it would change, but doubling down on something that's obviously wrong that's not going to get it done. They don't make that call against Muffet. I'll promise you that. <laughs> Eric, welcome into the drive, buddy. What's up? Hey guys, how y'all doing? Good. I, I, I definitely I, I've been wanting to call in about what happened. I am a hundred percent in agreement with coach with what Coach Wall said after the game. Hundred percent and. Mark, you've said it. Others have said it. There needs to be accountability when you have just the wrong call, a totally wrong call. And I know that on Diener's show, they were talking about how as women's basketball becomes bigger and bigger, you can't have calls like that. I mean, you can't because now there's going to be a lot of more money involved. And so you're looking at potential large amounts of money, whether it's being wagered or whether it's being in terms of the television etc so no there needs to be accountability and you know women's basketball tends to be really bad in terms of the calls and it's it's almost like it's accepted but it needs to change and so i think why why do you think they don't admit they made a bad call when they did you they know, don't have they to. Kinda, so they don't have to. But is, or is that like are they protect are they protecting themselves or are they adding more bricks in their ivory tower? We can do no wrong. You know, whatever call we make, 
is yeah. the call. Where you know, because one, you know, would they start a precedent of, yeah, okay, if you complain enough, then you can maybe I don't know, I don't know if you could get a call reversed, you know, after the fact. But I know that that it was that was absolutely pathetic. I mean, I think they need to start. Everyone needs to start maybe getting data, you know, in terms of a quantitative study where you actually can can monitor per game for your team, for every team in a conference, bad calls and have different degrees of bad calls where the one Sunday would be the worst type of bad call determining a game. But, I mean, it is – I mean, I was listening to the game before – uh, Syracuse, and you're listening to Nick and Courtney, and you know it's almost like every day, every game, that's a terrible call. There was no foul there. That's a terrible call. It, so if you monitor that, and if you can show it, if you can show this data to whomever, that there's just something going on, there's a pattern going on here, that maybe finally something could be done. Because I think that, I mean, don't y'all think they've really got it better in the NFL, for example? How so? What do you mean? Well, and because, you know, you have the replay now where they actually can go in and over, you know, turn calls, uh, and there seems to be more of a professional, you know, tone there. Of course, it is the pros, but college sports has become professional. So I just, it, it, you can get very conspiratorial and say, ah, you know, they're out for Louisville, which I think there is. I think there is. Y'all have talked about, you know, the football call up there at Wake Forest and how they were messing around with the clock and, you know, the ACC and their little uh, condensed game or whatever they put out on social media didn't have uh, the last foul there. And Eric Crawford put something out on Twitter where he had multiple examples where we were being grossly uh, flagrant fouls. But nothing was, you know, just, just regular foul calls. So, like I said, if no one heard it, go back. If you can find it, listen to what Coach Wall said. A hundred percent agree with that. Um, and if he's chopping wood, man, I'd, I'd love some firewood. Honestly, I, I, I only cost you twenty thousand. Go get you some. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the call. Uh, yeah, I, the call Thank I you. do agree. Um, accountability would be nice. I know there are professional leagues that that do it a little bit better. I agree with what he said. Uh, in that regard, but I think it's really tough at the same time with with college referees um, to hold them accountable. And you know, people are trying to figure out all these different ways to uh, to get these referees to just do a better job. I don't know what the answer is, but it's going to start with paying them more. You know, more focus, more intentionality, less games, all those things. Yeah, I think just to answer Eric very quickly, I think the ACC doesn't want to talk about it because they feel like they're going to set the precedent that they have to talk about every bad call. But this determined the game. This was within the last couple of seconds. It created attempts or opportunities for points that didn't exist. You should be able to address that. Even if they kind of take a middle ground on it and say, hey, this is a call that isn't called this way often, but by the rule book, this is how it is. That make it any better? No. I I wish they would at least stand up and say it out loud. Oh, yeah. Tell us. Yeah, that's fair. Release a statement that you stand by. Go ahead, cowards.